Well, welcome back to the road with the Freed Way Thinker. Uh, I'm Tyler, your host as always on my commute. Sorry for some of the hum in the background, but that's what I'm uh, doing. I'm driving to work, so you're going to hear some of the car noise as this goes. Maybe I'll see Hazard if I can ahead. I can find a way to mitigate some of that. But we'll see. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to talk about something today that has been a I don't know if, if it's plagued, uh, that's not the right word, if it's been an irritant for me for a while, and that is the difference between critiquing a position and critiquing the entailments of a position, or, or rather I should put it as attributing the what you think are the entailments to a position to the position itself as if it's something that the position affirms. This can work positive and negative. So for, for example, in the classic uh, Calvinist-Arminian debates, uh, and, and, and I shouldn't even say Arminian, Calvinist-Non-Calvinist, you know, SBC, quote-unquote, traditionalists, provisionists, uh, Arminians, semi-Pelagians, whatever, because they hold a different view of, of, of human freedom and sovereignty, because they hold a libertarian view, uh, because they hold an incompatibilist view, they have a hard time often differentiating between compatibilism and hard determinism. And by the way, hard determinism is, is not even the, sa- the same as exhaustive divine determinism. But that's... I don't want to go into arguing for or against any of these. Just giving an example. And so a lot of times, the, the non-Calvinists and critiquing Calvinism will say something like, well, Calvinism... You know, Calvinism is the position that there's no that there's no such thing as a genuine offer of the gospel, right? Calvinism is 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 the position that there's there's no there's no such thing there's no point in praying, right? Calvinism is the position where where God forces you to do whatever He wants you to do. Calvinism is the position where God has to uh, ha- has to redeem His own decrees, right? All none of those every single one of those is not Calvinist. It's not something we affirm. It's not how we hold our position or affirm our position or understand our position. Now, if it was just left at that, we could say, okay, well, that's a straw man. The non-Calvinist then needs to come along and say, okay, well, here's an argument to show that why your belief X entails these outcomes. They're, 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 They're logically necessary outcomes from your position. Right? They're not built on they're not built on straw man of your position. If if we understand your position right on you know some doctrine of providence or you know, uh, determinism or, or or something like that, then let me give you an argument for why these are entailments. That's a perfectly fine and valid thing to do. Unfortunately, a lot of times it comes to just question begging if we assume incompatibilism then 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 therefore these these negative things follow that's a whole different issue that's that's the bulverism fallacy but but there's still a problem right there there's still there's still on the offensive there's a confusing of the entailment with the actual position right that's that's the positive side you have to make sure that when you're making a, an argument against someone 
you you're you're not straw manning their position or bringing in your own assumptions or or blending this is actually just technically the blending of an internal critique with an external critique because you're trying to say internally if we assume your position then this logically out this this logical outcome uh, follows but if you if you're starting with the logical outcome and imputing it backwards you're actually uh, starting at an internal critique moving to an externalist critique you know in an unjustified way and and so on and so forth there's an, there's another way to do this though which can be very frustrating this this has come up very frequently and and, and quite often in my engagements over molinism and that is I, I make some pretty strong critiques of molinism uh, I, I love some of my Molinist brothers. Tim, Tim Stratton is is a phenomenal guy. Uh, Eric Hernandez, phenomenal guy. Love these guys, brothers in Christ. I, <laughs> they're gonna hate this. I praise God for their gracious inconsistency uh, that I that they don't go to where I think their system logically entails. Now I have presented argument after argument after argument that if we take their position, certain things follow. Um, I think that if you if you take Molinism properly understood, right? I don't want to straw man it. Molinism properly understood, um, you have things like classic grounding problems. I, I think it actually leads to open logically leads to not just leads to. I think it logically necessitates open theism. Um, I, I think it undermines certain views uh, of of creation that are that are possible. You have to actually have God almost be a secondary cause of creation itself. Uh, I think it leads to to, to problems uh, with with our anthropology, all kinds of issues, right? But I've argued for these. I, I I've argued that if we if we understand Molinism, and then we take it to its logical conclusion, all of these problems follow. A common response I get is, "Well, that's not Molinism. Therefore, you don't understand Molinism." Okay. My question then, following up, is. Well, tell me, explain to me, show me where I've said something about Molinism proper in my initial settings, in my initial statement. This, this is the doctrinal view of Molinism. Show me somewhere in there where I've strawmanned it, where I've mistaken it. I want to be accurate. If, if I'm misunderstanding it, please tell me. But functionally, what's happening is, well, if you get to that conclusion, you must have misunderstood Molinism because I don't think that it entails that. Okay. But then all you've done is, is basically said, if you disagree with me, then you don't understand me. Full stop, categorically. Well, then your position is just unfalsifiable. That, that means that if, it, that if anyone shows that your position has a, a logical entailment that you just don't like, that, that therefore they don't understand you. And that just... That, that's not a reasonable way to engage. You need to go back and show how it either doesn't logically follow from, from, from Molinism proper or show specifically where I've misunderstood Molinism in the initial settings of the argument. You can't just say, because I don't like the outcome, therefore you must have misunderstood Molinism. That, that, that's, not, that's not a reasonable way to respond. That's not a possible rejoinder. The other area this comes up, uh, again, and, and this is, you can obviously tell where a lot of my discussions are around freedom and, and, and libertarian freedom and sovereignty and, and things like that. Um, 
but another place this comes up is when when we're having conversations uh you know i was having a conversation about some pretty pretty complex theological things having to do with the eternal generation of the sun and intertrinitarian relationships and immutability and aseity and things like this and i got in an argument with someone where effectively their position on eternal generation they were denying it but they were denying it in a very strange way and their denial of it would mean that they actually um they they denied immutability uh here rather than engaging with anything i i showed their position undermined immutability and they said no but i affirm immutability great i'm i'm again I'm, I'm, I, I praise God for your, for your blessed inconsistency. I'm, I'm very glad that you affirm immutability. That doesn't mean that what you're, that the position you're taking that we're actually debating uh, doesn't logically entail that you violate immutability. Right? I'm, I'm glad that you affirm immutability, but the position you hold undermines your affirmation of immutability. That's why I'm making the argument. That's why I'm trying to show that you have an inconsistency in your position. This again happens with, with non-Calvinist and libertarian freedom where, where I can show, and I think I can show, I haven't, I haven't actually been, no one has really uh, give, given substantive engagements with my arguments, but I think I can show that if you affirm uh, a, a, a classic form of libertarian freedom, you undermine omniscience. And a lot of times the responses would be like, well, well, no, because I affirm that God is omniscient. Okay, great. You, then you affirm that God is omniscient. So I got in a conversation with a gentleman who were named nameless. Again, love, love this brother, but I, I think wildly inconsistent. And in, in, our, in our conversations about libertarian freedom, and I, and I said, look, I'm not going to go into the full Molinism discussion because he, he likes Molinism. I don't know if he would call himself a Molinist. But I said, look, let, let's let's start after all the meta, metaphysical stuff about you know middle knowledge and what ground God's knowledge. Let's just let's skip that. Let's get to the point of creation. For whatever reason, God has exhaustive counterfactual knowledge. God knows the counterfactuals of creaturely freedom, and He decides to create the actual world. Now, God, let's call the actual world World W. God creates W. God has foreknowledge of all the true propositions in W. So, so that God knows that at some time T, I would choose to do X. Now, am I at T then? Is the, Do I have the strict logical possibility of choosing not X? That is, is it possible, God having created this world with his foreknowledge that I would choose X, is it even logically possible that God be wrong? And he says, no, great, you affirm compatibilism then. God, God has decreed this world and determined it would be this world with this set of true propositions. He has exhaustively determined that it would be every single set of true propositions of this world and not another. You're a compatibilist. You can now affirm omniscience, that nothing violates that. But now you have to give up libertarian freedom because now you've said, I, 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 strictly logically possible, it's impossible for me to choose otherwise. Great, you're not a libertarian free will advocate anymore. Oh no, but I affirm libertarian freedom. Okay, then if you affirm libertarian freedom, then I should be able to do not X. I should have the freedom, the ability, it should be it should be logically possible for me to do not X. Okay, well, no, you, you you, you can't actually you can't actually do that. Okay, 
well, if 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 I have the ability to do X and I have the ability to do not X, then it's logically possible that I have the ability to do not X, right? That that's just that's just logically basic. We can get into semantics about feasibility and things like that uh, in in another issue. But if you if you want to affirm omniscience, you need to affirm that I that I uh, there's no logically possible way that I could do not X, and God has determined it, which is compatibilism. But if you want to affirm libertarian freedom. I have to have the ability to choose not X. And he says, yeah, well, I affirm libertarian freedom. Great. Then it's logically possible that that God could be wrong. And God wouldn't know that because that just is categorically something that God couldn't know. And so therefore you undermine omniscience. No, but I affirm omniscience. So this is where the problem is. is Look, again, I, I, I praise God for your blessed inconsistency, but you're, you're, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You can't affirm both in that situation simply saying but i affirm both of those things isn't actually a rejoinder to the objection because the objection just is that there's an inconsistency between those two things and you can't go back and say oh well well that's just not my view unless you can actually show that somehow that that isn't uh, you know a substantive statement of your view Right? It's not. It's not a straw man. You just. You just don't like the entailments. So, wrapping up. The the point of this, has, it, whether or not you're on the offensive or the defensive, you need to be able to disambiguate between a position and the entailments, or an objection about the position that shows entailments, and whether or not that person has accurately presented your position. Because just because you don't like what they're saying is the logical outcome of the position does not mean that they do not understand it. And if you say that they don't understand it, you can't make a vague, well, you just you just don't understand it because you think it entails this. And that's just dumb. Well, you need to show, you need to demonstrate either why it doesn't entail that, why your position doesn't entail that, or why the person saying that it does entail that has simply started from a straw man and a misunderstanding. You need to actually make that argument, make that rejoinder, if someone has developed the argument uh, and, and actually presented an argument. On the other side, if someone has just said, oh, well, your view entails that, and you say, great, why, why do you think my view entails that? Then, well, it just, it just does. If, if, we just, if, if we just assume you know, our, our, our position, then, then your position entails those types of things. Okay, well, that's, that's not an argument. You, you, still haven't, you, you still haven't carried your burden of proof for demonstrating your objection. You still need to substantiate your objection to begin with and give give some arguments, give some structures for the other person to, to give rejoinders to. So as, as, you, as you engage in dialogue, discussions, debates, arguments, whatever, remember the difference between a position and its entailments. Thanks all, drive safe, and God bless.